It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, September 27th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report, prosecutors in Shasta County have criminally charged PG&E for the Zog Fire, which killed four people one year ago today. Then, in National Native News, Governor Gavin Newsom has signed six wide-ranging tribal bills introduced by Assemblymember James Ramos. One of the bills creates a monument honoring tribes on the grounds of the state capitol in Sacramento. We'll take a look at regional headlines and weather before science correspondent Al Stoller tells us when and why we should look to the sky early tomorrow morning. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. Fire crews have made significant progress on the Fawn Fire burning north of Redding in Shasta County. Here's Scott Korn, Deputy Incident Commander with Cal Fire, speaking at a briefing last night. We can officially declare the forward spread of this fire stop. However, you must remain vigilant and so must the crews still on this fire. There's still a lot of work to be done, a lot of hazards to be mitigated. Was saying that we are working tirelessly to get you folks back into your residences, back to your homes, and back to a sense of normalcy. That will be our shift and focus in our effort in the next coming days. A Palo Alto woman has been accused of starting the fire. She faces felony arson charges. Authorities are also investigating if she's linked to other fires in Shasta County. The Fawn Fire has burned more than 8,500 acres and destroyed nearly 150 structures, including 70 homes. Evacuation orders have been in place and remain for several communities as thousands more structures are still threatened. Well, prosecutors in Shasta County have criminally charged the utility PG&E for the Zog fire, which killed four people, including an eight-year-old girl, one year ago today. On Friday, District Attorney Stephanie Bridget announced 31 charges. Eleven of them are felonies and include manslaughter. At a press conference, D.A. Bridget took a moment to read the names of the people who died trying to flee the flames. Fela McLeod, age eight. Elena Rowe McLeod, age 46. Kenneth Bosson, age 52. And Karen King, age 79. This marks the second time PG&E has faced manslaughter charges in as many years. Last year, the company pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter for the campfire, which destroyed the town of Paradise. As was the case then, these charges are being lodged against PG&E, the company, but Bridget noted she isn't done, saying she'll continue to build her case with an eye on charging individual people. PG&E quickly weighed in on Friday, CEO Patty Poppy coming out with a video which began with her saying that her heart aches for the loss. But she also gave a glimpse into what PG&E's arguments might be in court. Poppy contends that two arborists had independently walked the stretch of line where the Zog fire sparked and had both determined that the tree that started the fire could remain. We've accepted Cal Fire's determination reached earlier this year that a tree contacted our electric line and started the Zog fire. We accept that conclusion, but we did not commit a crime. 
But the district attorney says the tree had been flagged as hazardous and that PG&E had a duty to remove it. Not doing so, she said, was reckless and criminally negligent. The Zog fire burned more than 50,000 acres in Shasta and Tehama counties last year and destroyed more than 200 structures in addition to the lives lost. Well, crews continue to struggle as they battle two large fires burning in Sequoia National Park. The KNP complex fire has burned more than 45,000 acres and is 8% contained. Meanwhile, to the south, the Windy Fire has burned more than 82,000 acres and is only 2% contained. Windy weather is expected over the next couple of days, which has fire officials concerned about the possibility of spot fires, especially on the eastern sides of both blazes. But that wind could also help, as it will likely move some of the smoke out of the area, improving visibility and opening up the possibility of aircraft being used to fight the fire. Crews have, for the most part, been able to protect many of the iconic giant sequoias in the area. Californians with the most basic homeowners insurance policies have long complained that when disasters strike, they don't have enough coverage to pay for all of their expenses. But change is coming. The California Report Saul Gonzalez explains. Saul? Lily, Californians who can't find affordable property insurance on the open market often turn to the FAIR plan to get coverage. It's often described as California's insurer of last resort. Created by the state in the 1960s and funded by insurance companies, FAIR offers the most bare-bones homeowners coverage. But California Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara, backed up by a state judge's ruling in July against FAIR, has now ordered it to offer more comprehensive policy protections, like water damage to homes, theft, and loss of property use. Lada told the California report that the changes will tangibly benefit about 200,000 California policyholders, especially people living in wildfire-prone areas of the state. We're eliminating all this red tape, and if you're sent to the fair plan, you're going to have a comprehensive policy option that wasn't in place before. The Fair Plan's governing association has long argued its insurers are only required to offer basic coverage plans. No word yet about whether it will try to fight the insurance commissioner's order in court. Lily? Thanks, Saul. That's the California Report's Saul Gonzalez. California's groundbreaking task force on reparations for black Californians wrapped up its latest meeting on Friday. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim says the group is working on drafting a reparations proposal. The California task force to study and develop reparation proposals for African-Americans is a first of its kind effort to acknowledge and readdress racial injustice. Over the course of two days, experts and people who've personally experienced racism and its legacies shared with the task force. They described how slavery and housing discrimination have contributed to ongoing racial inequalities. Secretary of State Dr. Shirley Weber authored the bill that created the task force. She said that while California lauds itself on being progressive, voter suppression still impacts black Californians. There is a proposition to be placed on the ballot to, to now talk about ID voting 
And we know that that's one of the new terms that's being used. It's a Jim Crow law, pretty much like literacy tests and everything else. The task force will meet again in October and has until 2023 to recommend a reparations proposal. For The California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. Support for The California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And that is the California Report for this Monday, September 27th. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks for listening. Up next in National Native News. This weekend, the city of Albuquerque apologized for Indian boarding schools. The city says it's a step towards reconciliation and is working with the Native community on recommendations to honor students at a burial site of the Albuquerque Indian School. Today's National Native News also looks at the six wide-ranging tribal bills introduced by Assemblymember James Ramos and signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. California Governor Gavin Newsom has signed six wide-ranging tribal bills introduced by Assemblymember James Ramos. One of the bills creates a monument honoring tribes on the grounds of the state capitol in Sacramento. It also removes a provision in state law requiring maintenance of a controversial statue of Junipero Serra, founder of the California Mission System. The sculpture stood on Capitol grounds from April 1967 to July 2020, when it was toppled by protesters. Native people say the statue of Sarah represents the mission period of genocide, slavery, and other abuses imposed on California Indians. Ramos and members of the Central California Tribal Chairpersons Association urged for the bill's passage this summer. Ramos and tribal leaders talked about the importance of telling their history. It's time for us and our voice of the California people to to be elevated, to bring attention to these issues, these issues of the Spanish missionary period and how much destruction is meant to our people, as well as other areas that now we're touching into, the boarding schools in that dark period of history. Now is the time for us to gather together in one accord and through unity to let our voices be heard. And it's not just about our voices here today. It's about our ancestors and our elders that are buried in the ground in the state of California. That it's also time for their voice to be heard of what truly happened to them in the state of California. A number of tribes and Native organizations supported the statue bill. Ramos is the first California Native American elected to the legislature. The other bills signed by California's governor involve tribal foster youth, students' right to wear traditional dress to graduation, a paid holiday for state court personnel on California Native American Day, and streamlined access to emergency response vehicles on tribal lands. Newsom signed the legislative package on California Native American Day Friday. Over the weekend in New Mexico, the city of Albuquerque apologized for Indian boarding schools. The city says it's a step toward reconciliation and is working with the Native community on recommendations to honor students at a burial site of the Albuquerque Indian School in 4-H Park. Mayor Tim Keller joined members of the Commission on American Indian and Alaska Native Affairs Saturday for a public acknowledgement and apology on behalf of the city. We are here today to show respect for a sacred site. 
I want to acknowledge the intergenerational trauma that persists from centuries of oppression and erasure and to express our deepest apologies on behalf of the city of Albuquerque for the grievous actions over the past decades that have occurred against Native American communities right here in the city. The city acquired the park in the 1970s and took over maintenance of land known to be the burial site of the Indian School. The Presbyterian Church ran the Indian School in the late 1880s. It was later transferred to federal control and operated until 1981. Kyle Tapaha represented the Albuquerque Commission on American Indian and Alaska Native Affairs. We must continue to participate in heartfelt, meaningful discussions and engage in productive dialogue with each other. We must continue to work to address and resolve these challenges together using our renewed partnerships. The city is conducting research on the site and plans to use ground-penetrating radar. The city is also marking off a portion of the park to show respect for the sacred site and removing it from park uses. Orange flags will serve as a temporary demarcation until more permanent ones are finalized. The site is open for ceremonies and practices. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Sanoski Chambers Law Firm championing tribal sovereignty and defending Native American rights since 1976 with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. In regional news, an Auburn man was killed Sunday afternoon in a two-way vehicle collision on Highway 49, according to the California Highway Patrol. Scott Mallett, 37, was pronounced deceased at the scene of the wreck. Stephanie Kramer, 32, and Samuel Rosecrans, 23, both of Auburn, suffered minor injuries in the two-vehicle crash and were transported to Sutter Roseville Medical Center for treatment. The crash happened around 12.39 p.m. Sunday on Highway 49 in Nevada County, according to the CHP Incident Report. At the time of the collision, Kramer and Mallet were traveling northbound on Highway 49, with Kramer driving and Mallet in the passenger seat. Rosencrantz was driving southbound on Highway 49 when, for unknown reasons, he swerved across a series of double yellow lines, separating traffic, and collided with Kramer and Mallet's vehicle head-on, the report states. All three passengers involved were wearing seatbelts, and drugs and alcohol are not suspected factors in the crash, CHP says. An investigation into the incident is ongoing, but no criminal charges are expected to be filed against Rosecrans. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. Breaking news from the Union of Grass Valley. An appeals court has reversed a local judge's dismissal of the case against murder suspect Finley Foltz, ordering that the case be taken up again in trial court. The case against Foltz, now 32, had been thrown out in 2018 after Nevada County Superior Court Judge Thomas Anderson declared a mistrial in the matter. 
Fultz had been accused in the 2014 slaying of 27-year-old Isaac Zaff, who prosecutors believe Fultz killed during the robbery of a marijuana grow. In Judge Anderson's 2018 ruling, the judge expressed that a number of serious errors prosecutors had made while handling evidence against Fultz compromised the case to such a degree that a fair trial of the defendant would be impossible. Just today, the 3rd District Court of Appeal overturned Anderson's ruling and referred the case back to Nevada County Superior Court for further proceedings. No new trial date has yet been set. Truckee has won the Equity and Engagement and Sustainability and Climate category of the Institute for Local Government's Beacon Awards for achievements in addressing climate change. The honor awards several of Truckee's programs, including their Climate Change Adaptation Plan and Climate Ready Truckee, which prioritizes low-income, unhoused, and non-English-speaking communities within Truckee's climate solutions. The Innovation and Leadership Awards aims to celebrate local government's efforts to implement collaborative, inclusive, and equitable climate resilience and adaptation programming. This reported by Ubinet. California will now mail ballots to voters in all elections, extending a practice temporarily adopted during the COVID-19 pandemic, reports the Sacramento Bee. Today, Governor Gavin Newsom signed Assembly Bill 37, which requires county elections officials to mail a ballot to every active registered voter for all elections, whether they request it or not. Voters can still choose to vote at physical polling locations if they prefer. Quote, as states across our country continue to enact undemocratic voter suppression laws, California is increasing voter access, expanding voting options, and bolstering elections' integrity and transparency, end quote, Newsom said in a statement. Just over 70% of eligible Californians voted in 2020, the highest general election turnout rate since 1952. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. By Jove, is fall finally here? For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight we have a 50% chance of showers. It'll be cloudy with a low around 44. Tomorrow returns to sunny with a high near 69. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 27. Tomorrow's air quality is good as well with a potential AQI of 25. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 29. Showers are likely mainly after midnight. And some of you up at high elevations over 7,000 feet may see snow. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 49. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 1. Tomorrow's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 9. You'd think since it was Monday the National Weather Service would go easy on you, but no. The Truckee Tahoe region has a special weather statement for gusty winds, showers, and colder temperatures through Wednesday. Temperatures will fall around 20 degrees. There's also a lake wind advisory in effect until 5 a.m. Tuesday, and a red flag warning remains in effect until 5 a.m. Tuesday as well for gusty winds and low humidity. In Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 53. There's a 20% chance of showers, fingers crossed. Winds could gust as high as 18 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 77. Perhaps forego a hat on Tuesday. Winds could gust up to 29 miles per hour. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 1. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 26. A new chapter in space exploration is beginning. 
Al Stoller explains how to see it yourself tomorrow morning before dawn. Throw a ball straight up, and it falls straight back down. Gravity pulls everything down, down toward the center of the Earth. Throw a ball sideways, and it's still pulled down toward the center of the Earth, which is why the ball only goes so far before it hits the ground. Suppose we were to throw the ball over a cliff. The ball would still fall toward the center of the Earth, but with the cliff dropping away, the ball would go a lot further before it hit the ground. Planet Earth is round. We can think of the curve of the Earth as a very gently sloping cliff. If we could throw a ball hard enough, fast enough, that ball would still fly forward as the Earth curved away down below. The ball is still falling, still being pulled toward the center of the Earth. But because the Earth is not flat, because the edge of the Earth is like a gently curved cliff, that ball will fly around the Earth, fall around the Earth forever. Flying over the Earth forever, that ball would be in orbit. It would fly forever, fall forever. Let's look a bit more closely at what happens when we fall. Imagine climbing to the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We're carrying two balls, a light ball and a heavy one. At the top of the tower, we hold them over the edge and, at exactly the same time, drop them both. Both balls will fall toward the ground faster and faster. Logically, we'd expect the heavier ball to hit the ground first, but, as Galileo discovered hundreds of years ago, both balls, heavy and light, hit the ground at exactly the same time. No matter how heavy they are, no matter how light, when things fall, they fall faster and faster at exactly the same rate. Knowing this, we take an elevator to the top floor of a tall building. Once at the top, we open the trap door in the ceiling of the elevator car and cut the cable that's holding the elevator up. Now the elevator is falling faster and faster. Inside the elevator, you and I are falling faster and faster. And the glass of water I happen to be holding is falling faster and faster. All of us are falling faster and faster at the same rate. If this were a race to the bottom, it would end in a tie. What happens if I let go of the glass of water? It continues falling faster and faster. But you and I are also falling faster and faster. So the glass of water just floats beside us in midair. When something is in free fall, it has no weight. It is weightless. Astronauts in a spacecraft orbiting Earth, falling around the Earth. Astronauts do not feel their weight. They and everything in the spacecraft are weightless. You've probably heard me give a heads up when the International Space Station is about to pass over the foothills. Tomorrow morning before dawn, at 5.53 a.m., another space station will pass over the foothills. This space station is so new, it's still being assembled. Assembled by astronauts from the People's Republic of China. Again, the Chinese space station, still under construction, will pass directly over the foothills Tuesday morning before dawn, 5.53 a.m. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Monday, September 27th. 
KVMR gets support from Ola Tortilla, offering homemade organic tortillas, grab-and-go burritos, and hump day tacos Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Prepared with locally sourced ingredients. Next to Food & Juice on Zion Street, Nevada City. OlaTortilla.com and Sweetland Garden Mercantile, downtown North San Juan, a local ridge depot carrying plumbing supplies, PVC, camping, and fishing gear. Delivery available, open 9 to 6, closed Sundays. 292-9000, sweetlandgm.com. Dig it. Stick around at 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. Tonight's show is the second of a two-part series. 30 years ago in Miami, 1,500 women from around the world made a plan. They held a tribunal and a think tank to plan for sustainability of life on Earth, forming demands for the UN Rio Summit on Environment and Development. Only today is everyone seeing the disaster they predicted and perhaps ready to adopt the measures they describe. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.